Hey friend, this is Ryan Thomas. We're so blessed and grateful you're listening to On the Road and supporting Faith Radio. You are quite simply the best and we appreciate you so much. Enjoy the show. Discovering stories of courage, determination, and hope. Welcome to Faith Radio's On the Road. Now, here's Ryan Thomas. Well, in a time quite unlike anything we've ever seen, we don't have a script to look back to for what we did the last time we were here. It doesn't exist. The battle against COVID-19 has impacted every single one of us. And as followers of Jesus, we want to know how to hold on to hope and bring hope to others. We'll explore how we can do just that today with Dr. Melissa Bartman-Mork. She's professor and chair of the Department of Psychology, Criminal Justice, and Law Enforcement at the University of Northwestern St. Paul in Minnesota. And she authors the tremendous book, Navigating Grief with Humor. And for full disclosure, I did once take one of her legendary courses at Northwestern, but in fairness, she should not remotely be held responsible for me. What a treat to have you here, doctor. Thanks so much for your time today. And as we begin, can you just paint us the picture? How are things at your house right now in these uh, remarkable times? Paint the picture. Well, um, my husband passed away a couple of years ago, so he was the loud one. So it's now very quiet. There is the sound of the furnace and the refrigerator. I have a, a daughter who's still asleep and a son who's still asleep, even though it is way past wake-up time. And um, some of the smells that are coming up out of the basement from my son's bedroom are smells I didn't ever really want to smell. <laughs> so it's fine. We are surviving, but there could be some changes made. Are you also practicing the art of online teaching, online professorship yes. at this point? Yes, everything has been moved online for all of us. And I have to say there was a little bit of grief there having to put everything online was a challenge, but then also knowing that I'm not going to see my students again this semester and not having a chance to even say goodbye to them has been hard. And then we're doing faculty meetings and department chair meetings and, you know, all of the other behind the scenes work also online, you know, via Zoom and Microsoft yeah. meetings and things. So the change has been significant and there are all of these little losses that um, are just kind of blindsiding me, actually. So it's, it, there's good and there's bad here. Yeah. Well, I think uh, so many of us will relate to that labeling of it. <laughs> there is good and bad, uh, mm-hmm. bittersweet uh, mixed together. I think right. probably one of the questions that we are asking ourselves the most, at least I know that I am, is just how do you stay aware of what's going on? How do you stay up to date with what's going on, but not stay worried about what's going on? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I've had to personally limit how much I consume, not just from the refrigerator, but information. I need to limit how much I consume and be a critical thinker about what I'm reading and hearing. And then I need to focus on two things. One is what is within my control. What what can I do here? I can stay safe. I can self-quarantine. I can wash my hands and not touch my face. I can physically distance myself from other people to protect myself. So if there are certain things that I can control, 
there's a lot of stuff I cannot control and I need to separate myself from that and lay it at the foot of the cross. But then also, I think the other thing that's helping me stay sane is keeping an eternal perspective. If I'm thinking about the here and then like the urgency and demands of groceries and just the the pressures that are happening right now, I, I get... Okay, true confession, I snapped at my kid yesterday. Mm-hmm. He was he washed his hands and then he pulled on the roll of paper towel like it was the wheel of fortune and it came rolling out and he was about ready to swipe, you know, eight sheets of paper towel and I shrieked, "What are you doing?" Now, that's not me. I'm not one to shriek at my kid, but I kind of, you know, panicked a little cuz I know that we have four rolls of paper towel left in the pantry. So, I lost sight of, in the scope of eternal life, what will matter more, how I treated my kid in that moment or how many sheets of paper towel he used. So I think if we look at what's going on with an eternal perspective, it can give us a sense of peace because it relieves us of the urgency. It relieves us of the the worry of what could happen because what happens is, in the end, we will all be with Christ eventually. And uh, there's hope there. There's optimism. There's zest. There's promise. And if we can focus on that, then the the demands of the day might not feel so heavy. Oh, man, that is so well said. Thank you for that. I mean, as we, there's so many things and so many different threads to follow with this. And I want to dig into mm-hmm to many of these things from a spiritual perspective in just a moment. But as a professor of psychology yourself, I wonder as you look at what we've seen, particularly you mentioned the paper products, Mm -hmm. you know, when you've seen people making a run on target and making a run on Walmart from a psychological Mm -hmm. perspective, what is, what is going on in our heads when we're doing that? And how can we perhaps fight against whatever that may be? Right. I think it's just, you know, it's a survival instinct. We we panic and we go into our limbic system, which is really the animal brain, um, and it's a fight or flight response. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna fight this by accruing as much as we possibly can, and again, trying to take control of the things that we think we can control. But the reality is, is that it's not having 40 roll extra rolls of paper towel is not going to protect us necessarily. What will protect us is prayer and faith and connectedness with other people through relationship and communication. And if we really dig into the real human needs that we have, yes, we need to be safe. Yes, we need shelter and food and clean water. But we also need human connection, and we need spiritual connection, we need faith. And those are the things, I think, if we take a minute and take a deep breath and think, okay, what is most important here? We can clarity around um, kind of that. We don't need to rely on that animal brain, that survival instinct that Hmm. shoves us to hoarding and maybe allow us to really think about what has the greatest importance. When you... When you hear that phrase, animal brain, at first it takes you back. It's like, what? And then you realize, no, that's that's exactly what's going on. And that actually does make sense. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Sure. 
We are here with Dr. Melissa Bartman-Morg. She's professor and chair of the Department of Psychology, Criminal Justice, and Law Enforcement at University of Northwestern St. Paul and the author of Navigating Grief with Humor. And from what I understand, a noted stand-up comedian as well. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't say noted. I would say uh, fledgling. (laughs) Wannabe. <laughs> but you see what you can do with words. The fact that I noted it right there, by definition, it does mean you are in fact noted now, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Thanks, Ryan. You're welcome. You claimed it for me. I'm here for that. you. I'm here for you, doctor. <laughs> okay. Well, here's here's something significant as well. You know, as as followers of Jesus, we have something here. We have a faith that that we have always believed is greater than fear. Uh, but when it comes to something I've noticed, when it comes to acknowledging fear in a time like this and acknowledging worry, there's almost a shame and a stigma in admitting that is there. Is it, should we feel that shame? Should we acknowledge that it's there or should we, should we not? We absolutely need to acknowledge that it's there and uh, do away with the stigma within the church, especially we need to do away with the stigma around fear and sadness and depression and grief and all of these responses that, man, I'm having right now. I'm having the whole range of emotion, especially the unpleasant ones right now. And if we name them, then we can manage them. This is just basic emotional intelligence that if you can name what you are feeling, then you can pray it. You know, we can we can come to the Lord with, man, God, I am so scared right now. But if we're not even acknowledging, if we can't name it, if we can't identify what that is, it's very hard to pray through it. We have so many models throughout Scripture of men and women of faith who were able to say, I'm scared, I'm sad. They'd lament, they'd rend their clothing, they'd grieve deeply. Jesus grieved deeply. He wept Mm. at the tomb of Lazarus. He He prayed about his own fear before he faced the cross. Who are we that we think we're above that or beyond that? Uh, Fear, grief, sadness, they're real. And uh, I think it's important that we process them, we talk about them. And also, if you have children in the home, allow them to talk about their fears. You know, sometimes slapping a scripture on it and... Uh, hoping that that's going to fix it doesn't necessarily fix it. That truth resonates when we're at a point of of being able to reconcile what we've been feeling. I've been feeling afraid. I need to to name it and talk it through and reconcile it. And then those scriptures of comfort mean so much to me. But if if they're given to me as a platitude, they fall on deaf ears for me. Well, it's such an important topic that you bring up when it comes to talking about the realities of COVID-19 and what it's doing to our communities, to our nation, to the world uh, with the youngest among us. I mean, because as you as you so rightly say, you want to have a conversation about this. But at the same time, I think we wonder sometimes when is distraction the right move? When is uh, talking about something else and when is being direct the right move? And I totally understand mm-hmm. this is very age specific, uh, but would you have some, some overriding wisdom to offer on that? You know, no matter what the age, whether it's a five-year-old, a 15-year-old or a 55-year-old, 
it's important to give space to have a conversation. Um, I'll check in with my kids. They're ages 15 and 20 now. And every day I'll just say, how are you doing? What do you miss today? What do you wish we could be doing instead? You know, and then we laugh. We, we bring up something, you know, we're still grieving the death of my husband. And so I'll do that around grief too. What do you miss about daddy today? Do you remember that joke he used to tell that was so stupid? And then we'll laugh, you know. <laughs> But it's a, it's, a, it's a great idea to provide space to have the conversation. And if there is nothing to say, then good, great. But if there is something to say, I just want to encourage us not to negate what another person is experiencing. So my 15-year-old is a social kid. He really misses his friends. Now, I might think, well, that's nothing. You know, yeah, you miss your friends. I miss my friends too, but I'm also having to deal with this and that and the other thing and financial worries and and grocery worries and safety worries. So yes, you may be carrying a lot of worries yourself, but when when somebody else is articulating theirs and your or your kid is saying, "I'm sad about this," listen, validate, say, "Yeah, I know, honey. I'm sorry," and just sit, let them sit with it and, and uh, be present in it, um, because that I, I think goes uh, far in helping that connection and and processing through all of these hundred little losses that we are all experiencing right now. Hmm. Well, people have noticed uh, you've made a number of comments that have been uh, objectively amusing throughout this interview, even though this is a very serious topic. And so people can see your sense of humor, uh, even just in this conversation, but you really have written the book on this. It is called navigating grief with humor. That's kind of fun to be able to say to somebody, by the way, well done. Thanks. <laughs> so Thanks. so obviously that journey of grieving your husband and mm-hmm. the loss of dad the loss of your husband that's that is something that probably informs a lot of what you are experiencing right now as well just how important is it to remember to to accept this gift of laughter this gift of big picture perspective that a sense of humor really gives us yeah, it gives us an opportunity to think about things from a different perspective, and it allows us to connect. Um, a friend of mine said the other day that uh, laughter is the next best thing to, for connection besides hugging. You know, it's <laughs> if we can't hug each other, if we can't have physical connection through handshakes and patting on the back, we can, we can share a sense of humor and we connect that way. And um, I think it it provides some levity and some oxygen and some uh, undeniable life when we are able to laugh in the face of really scary things. You know, we were facing death and grief and heartbreak and so many difficulties in our family when my husband died. And yet my children and I, when we could remember him, when we can remember him with humor and laughter, he is relocated in our heart right there, right then, that we can remember him and we feel connected to him that way. And in this current state of being that we are in with COVID-19, the ambiguity, the unknown, the, the, all of the bad news and all of the fear when we are able to find something to laugh about, I mean, whether it's memes online or it's something funny we're watching on Netflix or we're playing 
uno around the kitchen table, but if we can find a way to laugh with those around us, uh, we are, we're finding power. We're, we're reclaiming something and uh, we're laughing in the face of Satan. We're saying, nah, no, mm. uh, you can't have us. We are still intact. We are still connected. We still have optimism and zest and hope. And I, to me, that is an act of faith. You know, joy is something that God has given us. There are fruits of the Spirit that manifest, I think, when we are laughing. Wow. That is so great. Dr. Melissa Bartman Mork uh, with us today, professor and chair of the Department of Psychology, Criminal Justice and Law Enforcement at University of Northwestern St. Paul, the author of Navigating Grief with Humor. Uh, here is sort of an odd question that I would not have anticipated asking, but it's something that many of us are starting to notice, which is oddly enough, in response to this pandemic, there is increasingly this reaction that is on political lines for many of us. And we seem to be responding to it uh, through the lens of politics. I wonder that if, if we're talking about a person of faith who wants to have a connection with somebody and there's maybe a political difference between those two individuals in this time, especially, how do you, how would you recommend that person reach across the political divide and just connect on a faith and connect on a human level? Well, I think you kind of answered that question. Um, as you were asking it, I think it's really important that we do just set aside politics. And I wish we could do that all, all the time because it is so <laughs> divisive. But we have so many shared experiences. We have so many um, things in common. And in this time of COVID-19, even more so. I mean, it is a global shared experience. And so there are so many other ways that we can connect. Um, but I think if we are connecting, I think we need to do it altruistically. Instead of saying, this is what I need and this is who I am and this is what I'm demanding, to reach across you know, and say, how can I pray for you? What do you need? How can I lift you up today? How are you doing on eggs? You know, those kinds of <laughs> questions allows for connection. And, it, you know, that's what we're called to be is salt and light and generosity and kindness. And um, that's not political. That's never been political and doesn't have to be political. Well, that is pretty lovely stuff. As we wrap it up here in just a few couple more minutes, uh, if people do want to learn more about you, if they want to nab themselves a copy of the book, Navigating Grief with Humor, what is the best place to start that voyage? Well, uh, the book is available on Amazon and on Kindle, and um, they can locate me. My website is melissamwork.com. I know, clever, right? <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> You know, and I'm, uh, yeah, reach out and, um, and I, I ask, I'm, I'll ask for people to pray for me in this, in this ministry of uh, counseling and encouraging people with grief and in these tough times, um, I'm hearing a lot of really heavy, heavy stories and um, I need to remember to lay each one of them down at the foot of the cross and let uh, Jesus pick them up. So I don't carry that heaviness with me. So prayers would be appreciated around that. You know, if there if there's someone listening today and we know instinctively, we know because we know Jesus that there is hope 
but we're looking around and we're just seeing <laughs> all of this. It seems to be unrelenting bad news every which way. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you remind us that that hope is there, even if it doesn't meet our eyes when we look around and swivel our heads for it? Absolutely. And here's to me a profound truth around hope is that we are not transformed in times of peace, in times of contentment, in times of satisfaction or ease. We are transformed in moments of difficulty, adversity, hardship, and pain. My children and I are different, stronger, more resilient, and more faithful people because we have walked through this grief after the death of my husband. Whatever is happening here now through COVID-19 There's adversity and hardship and potentially pain, but those are the moments when God refines us and transforms us and we become somebody stronger, more beautiful, more resilient as a result. And it is in that hope, that hope in Christ and that hope in transformation that I think is going to get us through. She is Dr. Melissa Bartman mork professor and chair of the Department of Psychology, Criminal Justice and Law Enforcement at University of Northwestern St. Paul. She's also the author of Navigating Grief with Humor. And I am honored to say uh, in just a few closing minutes that I also experienced one of her classes myself, but no one should hold her responsible for me, (laughs) doctor. I would just like to point that out. I just think it's funny that you were... When you reached out to me to be on the show, you said, you have no reason to remember me. Remember you, Ryan, how could I forget you? You were just such a kid in my class. Man, unforgettable. Yeah. Time comes at you fast, doesn't it, though, Dr. Moore? (laughs) Yes, it does. Thank you so much for being here today. It was just a pleasure to have you. Oh, this was fun. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thought you had to keep this up All the work that you do So we think that you're good And we can't believe it's not enough All the walls you build up Are just glass on the outside So let them fall down There's freedom waiting in the sound
Thanks for sharing in the story of this latest episode of Faith Radio's On the Road. For more on today's conversation and the full podcast archive of all our episodes, look for On the Road when you visit MyFaithRadio.com. Thanks so much for listening to On the Road. Programming like this happens because of your incredible support. You can learn more about partnering financially at MyFaithRadio.com. And we'd be so glad to connect with you during the week on social media. Just search for On the Road with Ryan Thomas on Facebook. And our Twitter handle is at OnTheRoadRyan. Until next time, God bless you, my friend.